Hello there. Welcome to another life transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwe Tachero. Genesis chapter 26. Did we recognize visitors? All right. Genesis chapter 26. I don't remember that part. Pastor Daido, did you remember visitors? Okay. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. It's a long scripture that I want us to read. Tell your neighbor, I love reading the word of God. All right, from verse 1, let us go. There was a famine in the land, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, live in the land of which I shall tell you. Verse 3, Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. Verse 4. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 5. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Verse 6. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Verse 7. And the man of the place asked about his wife. And he said, she is my sister. For he was afraid to say, she is my wife. Because he thought, lest the man of the place kill me. For Rebecca, because she is beautiful to behold. Wow. Now, it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebecca, his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously, she's your wife. So how could you say, she's my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I said, lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife, wicked people, and you will have brought guilt on us. Verse 11. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land, and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Keep going. The man began to prosper 
and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. May that be your portion in Jesus' name. Verse 15. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Next verse. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And they had filled them with earth. Keep going. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are mightier than we. Wow. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Jerah and dwelt there. Are you following the story as we are reading? Let's keep going. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by their names which his father had called them. Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Jerah quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Isaac, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth. Because he said, for now, the Lord has made room for us. And we shall be fruitful in the land. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I want to pick up from where I left last time. We looked at three types of people. The poor, the rich, and the wealthy. Now, we also looked at a man by the name Isaac in the book of Genesis, chapter 26, how he began to prosper because he was poor. He continued prospering because he became rich until he became very prosperous. That is him becoming wealthy. And this happened in his life because of an idea. Remember, we are talking about the idea of multiplication or ideas for multiplication. And I want us to dig deeper and teach this morning concerning the idea that Isaac implemented or how Isaac implemented the idea that God gave unto him that brought about multiplication in his life. 
he was able to move from being poor, he became rich, and then he moved from being rich until he became wealthy. So how did he implement the idea? The idea that God gave him was to stay in Gerar, not to go, not to leave. There was farming in the land. But God told him, I don't want you to leave. I want you to stay here. It was very unconventional advice from God. But yet we are seeing that it was a great idea in his life. So we want to see how did he implement this idea that brought about multiplication in his life. And I pray that as we study Isaac, that it will apply to our lives as well. That we may know how to implement the ideas that God is going to drop in our spirits. Because I believe that God is dropping something in your spirit. I say I believe God is dropping something in your spirit even this morning so that you may know how to implement it to activate multiplication in your life. Now, I, want, I, I have like six points, but it's like today I will only give you three and then we will continue next Sunday. That is one of the ways of making you coming back to church this coming Sunday. Tell your neighbor it's a good strategy. So how did Isaac implement God's idea that brought about multiplication in his life? Number one, he was obedient to the idea. Isaac was obedient to this idea. We are just at the beginning of the year, and many times when the year begins, people have what we call resolutions. People have grand plans things that they want to accomplish. They have written them down. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to build a house. I want to drive a, I want to buy a car. I want to buy land. I want to get married. I want to get children. I want to make sure that I'm promoted at the place of work. So at the year, as the year begins, um, at the beginning of the year, rather, people have a lot of plans, grandiose plans of the things that they want to accomplish. But I have realized that it's not just enough for you to have good plans. You must also have a strategy to implement the, the plans or the ideas that you have for them to become a reality in your life. Because you can plan all you want to. You can dream all you want to. But if you don't implement the ideas that are coming to your mind, to your heart, and to your spirit, your life will never change. And there are people... They begin the year with all these wonderful ideas of the things that they want to accomplish. But at the end of the year, they are still stuck. Their lives have not changed. It's simply because they don't get to a place where they are able to implement the ideas that they have at the beginning of the year. There's a man by the name Yongi Cho. He, he, he was a pastor. He's now you know, dead. He was a pastor of the largest church. In the world, I believe his church is still the largest in the world. Um, you know, I was listening to him the other day. He used to plan churches. He used to send out pastors. He sends a pastor with a membership of three thousand. He plants you with three thousand members. Plants you with four thousand members. You know, so he was a pastor of the largest, you know, church in the world. Dr. Yongicho, this is what he said. He said that it is your vision that makes you. It's not the other way around. It is your vision that makes you as a person. I want to add 
to what he said, and, 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 and I, want ref, I want to refresh it and say that it is the idea that you have conceived that makes you, especially when you submit yourself to it. The idea that you have conceived, the idea that you have received, the idea that God has dropped in your spirit is what makes you as a person. That idea, when you submit yourself to it, determines your preferences. It determines your choices. It determines your values. It determines your direction. It determines your friendships. It determines so many things in your life. You see, when you conceive an idea, it's like a pregnant woman. Are we together this morning? When a woman conceives, she begins to experience changes in her body. Her emotions change. Her appetites change. Her dressing changes. She, she might want to dress in a certain way, but because of what she is carrying, it doesn't allow her to dress in a certain way. She might want to eat some things, but because of what she is carrying, it doesn't allow her to eat some things. In fact, sometimes it makes, us, it makes her eat some very strange things. Some of them eat soya. True or not true? She might want to wear high heels. But because of what she is carrying, she cannot wear high heels. Some try, but you can see they are struggling. Because of what you are carrying. So it's what you carry that makes you. It's what you carry that shapes you. So when you conceive an idea and you submit yourself to that idea, it changes you as a person. As you submit yourself to it, it changes you and you become increasingly aligned to it until it is fulfilled in your life. So you must submit to that idea that God has put in your heart for you to be able to fulfill it. Because that idea will make you. That idea will change you. That idea will transform you. That idea will determine your preferences. It will determine your friendships. That idea will determine the books that you read. That idea will determine the kind of movies that you watch. That idea will determine the kind of company you will keep as a person. The idea that you conceive makes you as a person. When God spoke to Isaac about staying in Gerard, the idea was unconventional. It went against logic, but he quickly submitted himself to it. He humbled himself and submitted himself to that idea. And that idea made him to be who he was. That idea determined so many things about his life. And we're going to dig deeper for you to see. The Bible says in verse 6, in Genesis chapter 26, and Isaac dwelt in Gerard. It's very short and precise. It's one of the shortest verses in the Bible. He dwelt in Gerard. Quick response. Because when the idea came, he didn't fight with the idea. He didn't try to rationalize the idea. He didn't tell God, I need to have a meeting with you so that I explain to you what is happening in Jira. He submitted, he quickly submitted himself to that idea, suspended his journey, suspended his 
migration plans to another place where it was raining or where it was green, the idea made him stay, acclimatize, and survive in a very hostile environment. It didn't, it didn't make sense to him, but because it was an idea from God, he submitted himself to it. And that idea began to work in his life. Ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to ideas, we must be quick in responding to those ideas. When it comes to the ideas that God is dropping in our hearts, we must not drag our feet. We must not try and challenge, you know, God when he drops ideas in our hearts. Obedience requires quick response to the idea that God has you know, dropped in our spirits. The moment you bring in excuses, the moment you start saying, oh, it's not been raining for the last five years, the moment you start saying the ground is hard, the moment you start saying, oh, you know, God, we are the ones on the ground. We are the ones living here. We are the ones in this territory. We are the ones in this geographical location. In case you have forgotten, I need to remind you that the last time we saw rain here was five years or ten years ago. God, I want to remind you that things here are not as you think up there in heaven. The moment you start giving excuses, you weaken the potential of the idea that God has given unto you. The moment you start rationalizing, the moment you start looking at the, um, the impossibilities surrounding your idea, you weaken the potential of that idea that God has dropped in your spirit. So you must be quick. Somebody shout quick. You must be quick to respond to that idea. No more excuses. No more trying to explain how the idea cannot be fulfilled. No more trying to show God that you are inadequate. You don't have what it takes. You are even surrounded with a very hostile environment. You have to believe that whatever God has said you should do, Respond to it quickly, jump on it quickly, and start implementing it. Can I get an amen? So ladies and gentlemen, obedience requires immediate response. Not baseless excuses, explanations, and long paragraphs. Every time you bring long paragraphs and excuses, you know, in the backdrop of the idea that God has given unto you, you will never fulfill that idea. And if you don't fulfill that idea, you will never experience multiplication in your life. I've realized that as, as a leader, every time, you know, you have people with long paragraphs. When you tell them to do something and they come up with long paragraphs, they come up with many excuses. They try to show you how the idea cannot be implemented. They are trying to tell you in a different way that I don't want to do it. I don't feel like I should do it. I don't think, even if I do it, you know, it will yield any fruit in my life. So we should now be quick. This year, be quick. Whatever God says, be quick. Hallelujah. The mother of Jesus told the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. It doesn't make sense, but do it. The people want wine, but Jesus says, pour water into the water pots. It doesn't make sense. They want wine. He tells them, deal with water. But the mother of Jesus said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. It doesn't have to make sense. Just do it. It is through obedience 
to the idea that you've been given that multiplication takes place. Are you getting what I'm talking about this morning? So look at your neighbor and tell them this is your year of obedience. So cut all these long paragraphs and cut them loose from your life. Excuses. It can't be done. Oh, have you ever seen somebody do it? It can't be done. Oh, we don't have enough resources. Oh, we don't have this. Oh, we don't have this. I mean, disconnect yourself from long paragraphs and excuses. Whatever God has said, we're going to do it. If God says this is the direction we are taking, we will take that direction. If, if God says this is what you're supposed to do, then we are going to do it. Because God will supply for every idea that he drops in your spirit. God will connect you with the right people when you obey and submit yourself to any idea that he drops in your spirit. Can I hear louder amen in this house? Secondly, how did Isaac implement the idea that brought about multiplication in his life? He refused to be limited by the circumstances. He refused to be limited by the prevailing circumstances in general. The reality on the ground was bleak. There was no hope. There was no life. No rain. No seed could survive in the ground because of the famine. But this guy refused to be limited by the prevailing circumstances in general. I was born and bred in Nairobi in an area called Mudhurwa. I don't know if some of you know where it is. It is somewhere in this city of Nairobi. And I remember we were driving one time with Pastor Mary, and we passed a spot that we used to stand there as little boys, just next to the road. Mudhurwa is opposite Machako's bus station. If you've never boarded a bus from there, you have never traveled. <laughs> so we used, stand, we used to stand by the road when I was a young boy. And we used to count cars. We used to count cars as they were passing by the road. We used to count buses. You know, and you, so, you see, as little boys, you want to possess every, everything. You said, this one is mine. This one is mine. This one. Oh, look at mine. Look at mine. Look at mine. You know? So I showed her where we used to, you know, stand as boys. And we could count cars. I never imagined one day I'll pass there while driving. God has a sense of humor. God is amazing. And if you are here and you think your life is over, I want you to know that your life is not yet over. Your future is brighter than where you're coming from. Can I hear louder? Amen. So while growing up in this sprawling estate, I remember my dad used to send me to the shop to buy stuff with 20 shillings. And those days it was a lot of money. You know, I remember he could write a list for me. Go and buy bread. Go and buy milk. Go and buy sugar. Go and buy tea leaves. Matchbox. With 20 shillings. And when you come back, you come back with change. The change was in cents. And I remember we used to calculate with my dad just to make sure that I have not stolen from him. <laughs> Up to the last coin with 20 shillings. 
those days. And we could buy a lot of stuff with 20 shillings. Over the years, the 20 shillings has lost its purchasing power. When I was in high school, I remember our pocket money was between 50 and 100 shillings. And it was a lot of money. It was a lot of money because we could survive on bread for many weeks with 50 shillings or even 100 shillings. One time somebody gave me 1,000 shillings. My goodness, I even changed my walking style. <laughs> and I was imagining, when will I finish this 1,000 shillings? It felt like 10 million or something in my life. But over the years, you can see that 20 shillings has lost his purchasing power. 50 shillings the same, 100 shillings the same. As life progresses, you can see that circumstances are weakening even our currency. But this is, this is the thing, ladies and gentlemen. In all these circumstances where we are seeing that 20 shillings can't give you much, 50 shillings can't give you much, 100 shillings can't give you much, yet in these circumstances where our shilling is really weakening against the dollar, we still have millionaires in this country. And we still have billionaires in this country. These are people who have chosen not to be limited by the prevailing economic conditions of this country. As people are crying there's no money, then they're strategizing how to get more money. As people are saying that Kenya has become a concrete jungle, there's nothing that you can sow and it comes back to you. Then they're thinking of how they can even multiply their streams of income. What is the difference? They have chosen not to be limited by the prevailing economic conditions in our country. I have good news and I have bad news. Which, ones, which one do you want first? I have good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? You want bad. And then I give you good. So the bad news is, ladies and gentlemen, that the cost of living will never come down. I had to ask for your permission first. The bad news is the cost of living will never come down. I don't think we'll go back to a day where you will go to the shop with 20 shillings, buy bread, buy milk, buy sugar, buy tea leaves, buy matchbox, and the shopkeeper gives you change. On to the good news. <laughs> the good news is you can decide to rise and ride that wave of high cost of living as a surfer. You know how the surfer goes to the sea and he times the wave. You can decide to ride the wave of high cost of living by multiplying your streams of income. So instead of praying that God may bring down the cost of living, start praying that God may raise up your standard of living. Who am I preaching to in this house? I rather pray that God may raise my standard. Because God is in the business of raising men. And those men are in this service. This year I prophesy, may God raise you. 
May God lift you. May God raise your income. May God raise your standard of living. Shout a louder amen in this house. You see, Isaac chose to ignore what was happening in Gerard. Of course, there were people who were crying in Gerard. Like the way Kenyans are crying today. There were people who were weeping in Gerard. They're saying, oh, life is unbearable. When are we going to have rain? When are we going to have a bumper harvest? When are things are going to improve? The landlord is on my neck. Taxes are on my neck. I like that silence when I'm preaching. It tells me that my message is sinking. Things are tight. How are we going to survive? There were people who were complaining during those days. The way we have people who are complaining in our days today. But Isaac did not complain. Isaac did not succumb to the public opinion. Isaac did not say we are finished. Isaac said, oh God, you have said I remain here. I will remain here. And because you've said I remain here, I'm going to ignore the prevailing harsh conditions that I see in Gerard. And I'm going to make something out of this difficult conditions in this geographical area. And I'm going to prosper. So you must choose either to succumb to public opinion or to rise above the harsh conditions that people are being faced with on a daily basis. Are we together, somebody? Like Isaac, we can choose to ignore. We can choose not to be limited by the weak Kenyan shilling that is affecting everything. And we can believe God and put strategies in place to raise our standard of living so that we are not victims of the Kenya shilling. We are ruled by the heavenly economy. For my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches. In so there are riches in glory that I need to download here on earth. The ideas in glory that I need to download here on earth so that I don't become a victim of the Kenyan shilling. I deliver you from being a victim of the Kenyan shilling. May you start living according to the standards of the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. Somebody shout amen. amen. Look, I know you can't say amen, but we'll get there. Tell your neighbor, he's picking us slowly from where we are. Yeah, we'll catch up with him very soon. Glory to God. You can be in a difficult place and still make it. You can be in a difficult condition and still make it. You can be surrounded with harsh circumstances and still make it. You can be in this country called Kenya with all the challenges that we have and still make it. If two or three or four or five or six or ten or twenty can believe what I'm saying, I see you at the top. When others are crying, you will be celebrating. 
When others are cursing why they were born in this country, you will be celebrating and thanking God for being born in this country because I see you making it in the name of Jesus. Do I have a witness in this house? Shout yes. Isaac chose to be different. He ignored the harsh weather conditions that plagued Jiro. Scarcity of food and rain. And he chose to ride the harsh economic reality of Jiro with a great idea from God. I know you're asking me, Pastor, tell me, how did he do it? Genesis chapter 26. Let's look at verse 17 to 22. Give me the verse. Then Isaac departed from there. Are we reading together? And pitched his stand in the valley of Jerah, and he dwelt there. Same place where there is famine. He pitched his tent. And he said, let me stay here. Next verse. And Isaac dug again the wells of water. Which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. We are seeing something in Isaac that I really like. Isaac knows that there is no rain that is coming from above. But God has given me an idea to stay in this land. If I can't get rain from above, If I can't get water from above, I can get it from the ground. Same, same ground where people are crying, saying there is no rain. Isaac decides, I will not wait from water from above. God has given me an idea and I'm a smart fellow. Look at your neighbor and tell them I'm very smart. I'm a smart fellow. I understand that there is water beneath. And the Bible says he dug the wells. And he didn't just dug anywhere. He remembers that his father Abraham used to have wells. And those wells never ran dry. It is the Philistines that came and filled the wells with soil. So he redug those wells again so that he could be able to get water from the wells to irrigate his land and sow in his land and get a harvest from his land so that he could feed his family and feed his animals. No wonder he became prosperous. When everybody else was waiting for the clouds to gather, Isaac was busy digging the wells. And that's what I'm telling you. When God grants you an idea, when everybody else is crying and saying there is no money in Kenya, the idea will open up your eyes to see where the money is. And you will start digging. And as you dig, you begin to experience multiplication of finances 
in your life in a great way. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but there's somebody here. God is opening up your eyes to see some wells that you need to dig. God is giving you understanding to see some ground that you need to mine. And as you mine the ground, what you are looking for will come your way in the name of Jesus. Who is that person I'm preaching about in this house? Are you here, somebody? May God open your eyes to see that there are wells that you need to dig. Let's keep reading. And Isaac dug, verse 18. And Isaac dug again the wells. Let's go back to verse 17. I show you something here, very powerful. Hmm. Are you enjoying this message? Okay, verse 18, verse 18. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. Look at how wicked the Philistines are. He called them by the name which his father had called them. Now verse 19. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley. So he didn't just dig, but he also taught his servants. Oh Lord, help me. To dig the wells. Sorry. He taught his servants to dig the wells. I thought the stairs get to the end. He taught his servants to also dig the wells. He told them, I am a digger of wells. And because you are part of my life, you are also becoming digger of wells. Because this is where we are going to get our water from. So that means that the ideas that God is going to give you is not only for you. It's also for your house. You will become a digger of wells. Your children also will be diggers of wells. Everybody connected to you will also become a beneficiary of that idea. Shout a louder amen. Oh man. I feel some things in my spirit. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water. There. There is famine, but there is still water underground. It just needs somebody who has an idea from God. He needs somebody who has a conviction that that same place where people are saying it's hard, it's difficult, there is a well, there is water, there is a treasure. All they need to do is to dig it up and the water will begin to flow. Verse 20. Hmm. But the herdsmen of Jira quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Isaac because they quarreled with him. Verse 21. Then they dug another well and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna. Verse 22. And he moved from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. You see, when you carry the blessing, when you carry the idea, it doesn't matter how many people try to frustrate you. It doesn't matter where you are. You can move from this spot to this spot. Because you are the carrier of the idea, you will still prosper. They can suck you, but you will still prosper. They can move you from one well, but you will still prosper. 
This year I prophesy over your life. No matter how many people will rise against you, I see you prospering in the name of Jesus. They will frustrate you, they will fight you, they will malign your name, but every time you move from one spot to another, a well will spring up. Multiplication will happen. Shout a louder amen in this house. There is room for you. Are you understanding what I'm preaching this morning? I say there is room for you. In this nation, there is room for you. In this city, there is room for you. You have a space in this country. You have a space in this city. There is a spot that God has ordained for you. And I see you locating that spot this year. And you will multiply in Jesus' name. You will not be limited in any way by the prevailing circumstances in this nation. You will do well in Jesus' name. If you believe it, clap your hands and give God a shout of praise in this house. That is a prophetic word for someone here. You will do well. You will do well. Tell your neighbor, I have my place in this country. Ecclesiastes, please sit down. Chapter 11, verse 4. Ecclesiastes. Let's read together. He, he who observes the wind will not sow. Oh, things are tight. Oh, things are difficult. I don't think it's going to rain. Oh, let's wait until the economy improves. He who observes the wind will never sow. And he who regards the clouds will never reap. Look at the neighbor and tell them that's why we are poor. We do a lot of calculations. When God says move, you are still calculating. You have a very expensive scientific calculator that you bought. Everything must make sense to you. The Bible says if you observe the wind, you will never sow. If you observe the clouds, you will never reap. If you observe the economy, we will say we will not build the church right now. Let us wait until things improve. But the devil is a liar. Even in this economy, we shall build God's house. And we shall finish in record time. Can I get a louder amen in this house? Look at your neighbor. Give them high five and tell them, do it. This year we are doing some stuff. I say this year. We are doing some things, magnificent things, mega things, mega projects. Even you as a person, you are doing mega things. Who am I preaching to in this house? I say even you as a person, you are doing mega projects this year. You will not be limited in the name of Jesus. I stand in the gap on your behalf. And I declare that the Kenya shilling will not limit you. Taxes will not limit you. The weather will not limit you. You will build mega projects in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, lift your hands and shout, yes! Change the version for me. NLT. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Change the version. Amplified classic if you have. 
He who watches the wind waiting for all conditions to be perfect. I'm waiting for the dollar to improve. I am waiting until we are done with UDA. Let's wait until Azimio comes. Then that's when I will start a company because things are going to improve. You might get the shock of your life. Remember I gave you bad news and good news. So which one do you want to abide by? Bad news or good news? Good news. Amen. He who watches the wind waiting for all conditions to be perfect will not sow seed. And he who looks at the clouds will never reap a harvest. This is the time for you to do it. If you have a business plan, I challenge you after this service, start working on it. If you have a company that you need to start, I want to challenge you, begin it now. Not tomorrow, now. Whatever project you want to embark on, start it now. If it is building a house, start it now. Call that architect and tell him, start drawing now. Because if you observe the wind, you will never do anything. Tell anybody, I have to do something. Shake somebody out of their slumber and tell them, you must do something in Jesus' name. Ride the tide. Ride the tide. Ride the wave. Ride it. Ride it. Ride it. Rise above it. It should not consume you. Rise above it. Be like a sufferer and ride the tide in Jesus' name. I see you doing great things. I say this year, I see you doing great things. Look, this is not 2023. This is 2024. I see you doing great things. Mega projects. Some of you by December, you will be living in your house. If you are not taking that prophecy, I receive it of, in the name of Jesus. I prophesy some of you by December, you will be in your house. Some of you by December, you will be driving your own car with no loan. Shout yes in this house. Yes. We defy the Kenyan shilling. We defy it. We are not victims of the Kenyan shillings. We are citizens of the heavenly kingdom. And whatever God says, it will happen. This year, by December, your finances will multiply, will have multiplied. Your companies will have multiplied. Your businesses will have multiplied. Whatever you are doing, it will have multiplied. Shout aloud, yes. Let me give you number three, and then we pray. How did he implement this idea? Number three. This is a radical one. Are you ready for it? He stabilized his marriage. He stabilized his marriage. You know, one of the reasons why some marriages end is because of money. Not romance. Not even sex. You don't, you don't need money to have sex. In fact, broke people have a lot of sex. <laughs> because they have all the time in the world. You see, when you're broke, you can't afford a TV. So sex is your entertainment. Okay, oops. Oh. 
So one of the reasons why marriages end is financial stress. Financial hardships. When money, money is scarce in the house. Tension builds up in the house. Because everybody now is consumed with money. You see, money will never stabilize your marriage. What stabilizes your marriage is, this, is the decision that you make with your spouse. That's why in the vows, you know, in sicknesses and in health, for richer, for poorer, you make a commitment. Whether there is money or not, me and you, we are good. We are together. We will love each other. We can go to, to the bed hungry, but we will love each other. And it is important for you to start from there because let me tell you, money will bring stress in your marriage. Yeah. That's why sometimes you are sleepy and your partner is awake. They are not praying. They are thinking about money. They are consumed by money. They, they budget, they make calculations the whole night. They have more need than money. More bills than money. And it can begin to bring stress in the marriage. The wife will look at the husband and wonder, is this a man? Are you really a man? Go and work and bring money. And the man says, I'm trying my best. But you're not appreciating my best. Money is one of the leading factors why we have divorces all over the world. Money. Somebody say money. You can even sense tension in the room right now. Yeah, some couples right now are feeling the tension of money. They are still paying debts. The debt of their wedding. They have not finished. Because they wanted to impress us with a very colorful wedding. They are still paying for it. They have a rest. Stress. The children are born in a stressful environment. They are also, the way they come out of the womb. <laughs> the children have, they already have contours on their forehead. So you must work at stabilizing your marriage. In difficult times, because sometimes you face difficult times as a couple. Sometimes you go through challenging times as a couple. Praise the Lord. I know what I'm talking about because I've experienced it. Yeah, there's a time, I mean, our marriage, we were having stress because of finances. When I, I remember I used to earn 4,000 shillings. I pay my tithe, 400. I'm left, I'm left with 36. And then I pay rent. Rent was 750 shillings. Then I'm left with how much? 
29.50. And then I pay electricity. I pay water. And then there's a guy who was bringing me milk. Then I used to pay him at the end of the month. So by the time I was done with those bills, I, I, I had nothing. Practically nothing. We don't even talk about food first. There, there are other things we have to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I know what it means to take strong tea without sugar. Because I've done it. Yeah. I, I know what it feels to go to your house, you're hungry, and the only thing you can make is you boil water and sprinkle tea leaves and drink and force yourself to sleep. Because sometimes also when you're hungry, it's not easy to sleep. So you turn and you close your eyes and you squeeze yourself hoping that you will sleep. Money can bring stress in a marriage. And you must work at stabilizing your marriage. So that when the storm of financial stress comes, it doesn't collapse your marriage. Your marriage will still stand strong. Can I hear an amen? Now, when God brings two people together, a husband and a wife, is for a purpose. We are not just coming together. You are not just coming together to give birth to children. There is a higher purpose. Why you are getting married to that man? Or why you are getting married to that woman? That's why, you see, the Bible says God hates divorce because it breaks his heart. You see, when you divorce, it's like you are short-circuiting the plan and the purpose of God in your lives as a couple. Whatever God had planned, you know, for the two of you. That's why he's bringing you together. You know, you short-circuit that plan. And let me add to say, when God brings you together as a couple, he knows that you'll get children, and he wants you to be so stable that you can form a very strong financial foundation, not just for you, but for your children. In other words, God wants you to start another lineage of financial prosperity. Because at some point, somebody say at some point, at some point, you'll be a patriarch. At some point, you'll be a matriarch. You'll have grandchildren. You'll have great-great-grandchildren. And all those people who have come from your loins, they will look up to you as their source. So the foundation that you set when you fall in love with this particular person, it is multi-generational. I don't know if we understand each other. That's why every time a, a family begins, every time a family begins, it is a sign of hope. Every time you get children as a couple is a sign of hope because God is, is, is trying to correct a mess from where you're coming from. By telling you now, you have begun a new lineage, now set a very strong foundation from you now there should be prosperity. There should be stability. There should be unity. There should be good marriages. There should be joy. There should be good health. Lord Jesus, the church is quiet. Should I continue preaching? Continue preaching, my son. Are, are we understanding each other? 
It is not just giving birth to children like a rat. And then you don't care, you don't think. Remember, you are starting another genealogy. You are starting another family lineage. And so you have to come up with a very strong financial foundation that from your lineage, there will be no poverty. If you came from poverty, you were raised in poverty, you struggled through school, struggled to put food on your table, the moment you get married, you need to know that you are beginning a new lineage. You are not supposed to perpetuate what you are coming from. You are not supposed to continue the cycle. You are supposed to stop it and begin a new lineage. Some parents even threaten their children. You see, well, you, do you know how I suffered? Do you know the things I went through? Do you know we used to go to school without shoes? So, why are you telling your children those things? So that you may also make them suffer. So that you may also, you see, you are trying to excuse yourself from being a responsible parent. By telling them that even if you don't go to school with shoes, it's because I did not go to school with shoes. Were they there? Were they there when you were tossing? Drinking strong tea without sugar. Why, why, why are you punishing people who are not there? You can never tell them, be fair, my friend. Be fair. Your children are not the cause of your misery. If you have anything, anyone to pick up your issues with, go and see your parents. Leave your children alone. Leave them out of that story. I'm preaching to somebody in this house. Stop threatening your children with your past. They are not even interested in it. In fact, it doesn't even make sense to them. You know, one time I told my, 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 my daughter that I went to school without shoes. You know, she looked at me. And she asked me, Dad, are you serious? I said, yes. You went to school. She even demonstrated. You went to school. <laughs> Like this. I said, yes. She couldn't understand. She said, how? She was not there. That is the day I learned. I never tell them how I suffered. Because it is none of their business. And they will not even understand. And you wake up in the morning and go to school without breakfast. Explain to me how. But you are wearing it as a badge of honor. Every time your children do something, you throw the card. You, you know I suffered. You know I went to school without this. You know, hey, 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 hey. You know I can make your life suffer. Please. Tell your neighbor they were not there. And it is none of their business. I'm raising a new breed of parents in this house. Our children will live better than us, go further than us, acquire more than us. Shout yeah! Oh yes! Give somebody a favor and tell them that is the spirit, my friend. That is the spirit. 
Verse 7 to 9. And then I finish. Oh, what a word. And the man of the place, this is Isaac. Look at how stable his marriage is and he's infirming. And the man of the place asked about his wife and he said, she's my sister. For he was afraid to say that she's my wife because he thought, lest the man of the place kill me for Rebecca because she's beautiful to behold. Verse 8. Look at it. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that, they, that Amimelech king of the Philistines looked through a window. This king is very nosy. Always peeping through the window to see what other people are doing with their wives. He peeped through the window and he saw Isaac showing endearment to Rebecca, his wife. There is no rain. Oh, but there is still romance in the house. Beautiful romance in the house. It shows that this man had a very stable marriage. I'm going to change the version in a minute. Please take me slowly, my friend. Which version do you want? Let's just change it then. Because it's like your ears are itching. You want to know what is this endearment? Which version do you want? NLT or Amplified? Let's go to NLT. Verse 8. Can we read together? And it happened. Where is NLT? But some time later, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah. Do you know what caressing is? And he was doing this with no shame. Because this was his wife. There are some men here, you are only confident with your wife when the lights are off. That's when you are telling her nice things. When we switch on the light, you behave as if that's your sister. No affection. You know, there are people, I've never even seen them in public with their, with their spouses. In public. You see them holding hands in public. You cannot see that. You're saying, oh, it's an African. But you're not an African. You're a child of God. <laughs> you are a child of God. And we are reading the Bible. When was the last time you even put your arms around your spouse? Even in church. There's nothing wrong with that. That's your wife. Unless if you have other intentions. Because if you're married and you're behaving as if you're single, you're a suspect. Isaac showed a lot of love to the wife in public. Public. Stable marriage. Things are harsh. Things are tough. Stable marriage. Amplified. Change the version. Let's read. Do you have Amplified Classic? I wish you can get me Amplified Classic. That one is dangerous. 
Huh? Do you have it? Okay, then give me message. Do you have message? Let's read together. One day, after they had been there quite a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistine, looked out his window and saw Isaac fondling his wife, Rebecca. St. Baptist, you are very quiet. <laughs> fondling. Not ashamed of his wife. Why are you ashamed of your husband in public? Why are you ashamed? Some of you ladies, you shine for the boss. When you're going to the office, ooh, 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 lipstick, hair, polish, mascara. You paint your face. You're almost looking like Jesus. High heels. Oh. When you come back home, you remove all those things. Throw them away. Put on a very old t-shirt. Senyenge see why. That is what your husband meets at the door when he's entering the house. Why are you not proud? of your husband why are you not proud of your wife in public I have never seen you hold hands walk, walking in public never the husband is in front the wife is behind And those are the things that affect some of you. You can't move forward. You are married, but you are living independent lives in a relationship. I wish I had time to dig deep in this. That's why you go to a house and you can see that it's, there, there's a line. When, when did you come to a place where now you are even like... Me, I'll pay rent. You will do this. Me, you will do this. Me, you will do this. No, no, no. How will you progress? How will you move forward? How will you come around the table and have ideas to propel your family to the next level financially? If you live independently like that in your house, how will you prosper? My money is my money. Your money is your money. Come out in the name of Jesus. The Bible says two are better than one. For they have a reward for their labor. It's time to pull together. It's time to work together. It's time to plan together. It's time to have a vision. A united vision together. You are moving in the same direction. You are planning together. This is not your money. This is our money. This is not your son. This is our son. This is not your house. This is our house. 
Are we together? So I give all the couples in this church permission to show endearment to your spouse. Not just when the lights are off. Even after this service. Singles are not happy with me, but that is your problem. You hold on to Jesus for the time being. When a marriage is stable, people move very fast. Are you together? Let me move together closer here and just tell you something. When I got married, I was never counseled. The counseling I was given was, I think, 10 minutes or 5 minutes, and that was it. And that's why when I started this church, I said I must develop a manual to help people who are getting married. Because the first few years of our marriage, we struggled a little bit. You can get married and struggle. Most of you just see the dress, you see the colors, the balloons, and you think that is, it's more than that. You can even go to the honeymoon and fight. In the honeymoon, you're fighting. The hotel staff, they come and stand at your door. You're inside, you're fighting. In the honeymoon, you are, you're, you're, your marriage is not even one week old. I go to a place and I said, if we continue like this, we will not move very fast. I told my wife, we need to sit down and plan everything about our lives, about our future, about our finances, about the dream that I have for this family. The day we sat down and agreed on a few issues, I wished we sat down in the honeymoon. Because we could be very far today. Are we together? These single people who are going to get married, I'm giving you counsel. And those who are married, I'm giving you counsel. Sit down, pull together. Plan together. Bring your monies together. Channel your monies where you want to see the money go. Your money is not just to shave your hair and to take to the salon. Your money must multiply. You are working, I am working. Why are we poor? I want to ask you a question. You are working, I am working. Why are we poor? When I was single working, I was struggling. I got married to you, I'm still struggling. Something is wrong. I pray there will be change. And I pray there will be good change in marriages in Jesus' name. Let's make the single people desire marriage. Because when you are single, after you get married, they see you are shining. They will say, this is what I want. But when they see when you are single, you are shining. Then when you got married, hey, All the couples who are here, this year, if you set some goals, the two of you, and pray and agree by December, there will be a party in your house. There will be a party of celebration in your house. Somebody give God praise. Ah, stand to your feet. We will continue next Sunday.
Tell your neighbor, it's, it is working. It is working. Lift your hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Oh, we give you praise, Lord. If you're married, I want you to come here. I want to pray for you. You're in this room and you're married. I want to pray for you. That's the altar call. Married people. Stop being single in marriage. You must become one. It's a lineage you're starting. And it should be a very strong lineage. Hey, this church has very many married people. Wow. These married people, where you ask your neighbor, why are we poor? <laughs> Something is wrong. You remember the counsel I gave you at the beginning of this year? It was a very good counsel, the two of you. And I told you, if you do what I'm telling you, you'll be surprised. I hope you're doing it. Look at all these billionaires who are here. Who have not yet become billionaires? Two are better than one. Do you believe in that scripture? Two are better than than one. Lift your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray from today. You'll be united with your husband on many things. Financially, your dreams, your vision, your plans. This year, your life has to change. Your family has to change. The finances in your home have to change. You can never remain the way you've been all these years. Two are better than one because they have a reward for their labor. Father, I pray for these couples here. Some of them, Lord, they have not been working in unity. They have been independent in their relationship. They have been having issues, stress, independence in financial management. I pray from today that may you harmonize their values. May you harmonize the vision that has brought them together. May they harmonize the projects that they want to do as a couple, as a family, in the name of Jesus. I pray, oh God, that they will be humble enough to sit down and talk, to discuss about their future, about their vision, about their projects, and they will come up with goals that they must fulfill this year in the name of Jesus. And as they come together and there is unity in this relationship, I pray that you will release resources, you will release monies, they will multiply what they already have. They will experience increase like they have never seen before in the name of Jesus. Father, we rebuke any form of strife, disunity, misunderstanding, any form of independence. We bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. Every devilish spirit that brings a wage, that brings separation, that disconnects them from their spouses, we bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. Any spirit of divorce, I rise against you right now. I break your power in the name of Jesus. I speak stability in these marriages. I speak unity in these marriages. I speak oneness in these marriages. I speak, oh God, one voice, one vision, one value, one commitment. And that is to see their finances multiply in the name of Jesus. Put resources in their hands, Lord. Put monies in their hands, Lord. Grant them fantastic ideas that they may rise higher and higher and higher 
In Jesus' name we pray. We all shout a big amen. Give God a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. So, I want to give you a challenge. Go today, sit down with your wife, with your husband. Write your goals. This is what we want to do this year. This is what we want to accomplish this year. This is my, this, we must do it this year. I'm trying to cram your faces because every time I meet you, I'll be asking you, I'll become your accountable partner. Accountability partner. Oh, you are here, Valentine. By the way, Valentine is around the corner. I expect to see you in the Valentine. What is it? Couples, whatever. I saw it being couples hang out. And some of you don't even come for the couples hang out. You are married, but you're behaving as if you're not married. Ask your neighbor, what is wrong with us? We call you for singles meeting, you don't come. We call you for married meetings, you don't come. Which other category is there? We don't have any other category. You're either single or married. So if you call you for a couple's meeting, you should do what? Show up. So I'm cramming all these faces because I expect you in this couple's hangout. Let's talk about our issues as couples. By the way, when I was praying, when we were in the prayer and fasting period, one of the things God laid in my heart very strongly is to strengthen marriages in this church. So we're going to have very fantastic programs to strengthen our marriages. Our marriages must be strong. And our marriages will be strong. And because our marriages will be strong, we will do well. We will multiply. We will multiply greatly. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So today, somebody say today. Yeah? Peter, Paul, today we are writing down goals. Sit down with that wife of yours, husband of yours, say, honey, I don't know how you call them. I don't know which pet name you use. Please, remove Baba Boy. It is not working. Yeah. Change. Use some very nice, sweet names. Sausage. Don't even use Kangumu. It's very bad. Very nice. No, let's sit down and plan our lives. This year, we want to do this. Look, I am telling you, whatever you agree with your spouse... In December, I prophesy, you will see it happening in your family, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you going to do it? Valentine, are you going to do it? Yeah. Sit down and plan. Sit down. Plan. Have what we call short-term goals and long-term goals. Amen? One of the long-term goals I have for my children is that whatever school they want to go to, I should be able to finance it. It's a long-term goal. Because some of you, some of you, to be honest, if your dad took you to the school you wanted to go, you could not have been where you are today. Can you imagine going to your parents, saying, I want to go to school, and they tell you there is no money. Do you remember the feeling? Do you, do you remember the feeling? Do you remember how your heart was broken? Yeah, so we shall not break the hearts of our children. Talk to me, please. Please talk to me. We shall not break their hearts. Yeah. So have what you call short-term goals and long-term goals. Where you say, my children will go and go and go. Let them reach a place where they say, it is enough. I cannot continue from here. 
dad, thank you, mom, thank you, you have educated me. Now I am on my own. You have done your work. Praise the Lord. Are we going to write goals today? I'm trying to cram your faces so I can ask you when we meet. I have seen Rogers is here, I'll ask you. Pastor Dennis is here, I'll ask you. Rose is here, I'll ask you. Luko, Luko, Lu, 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 Lukose, I'll ask. Kachipela is here, I'll ask. Pastor Mugo is here, I'll ask. Hey, Musembe, I will ask. Yes, I will ask. Good to see you. Hey, how are you? Happy New Year. Yes, Karo, I will ask. I will be your accountability partner to ask. Chairman, it's good to see you. Yes. God is not yet done with you yet. Yeah, be strong. Yeah, Mambolev, I'll ask. How was Zambia? I was told you in Zambia. You're a high flyer, man. Wow. Yeah, Miss Jayenda Zambia, Sunipeleke. Okay. Yeah. Lift your hand and say, We shall do great things. Lift your hands again and say, We shall do great things. Our children will go farther than us. They will do so much better than us. We shall build houses. We shall establish a strong financial foundation for our lineage. In Jesus' name. Shout a big amen. All right. God bless you. You can go. Singles, come. I also want to pray for you. Come, 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 come. Because some of you, the way you are looking at the married people, you are, you are feeling my jello. I want to pray for you that God will remember you as well. Hallelujah. The green army is here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lucy, be happy. You have a very hard face. All of us used to be single. So God will remember you as well. Amen. Onesmas, God will remember you. In Jesus' name. Lift up your hand as we pray. Father, I pray for all these singles. Yes. Give them good husbands. Give them good wives. Bless them, Lord. Some of them, Lord, they are ready for marriage. Wherever that man is, wherever that woman is, cause that person to come in the name of Jesus. Whether he's in this country or out of this country, wherever he is, cause him to come in Jesus' name. And for those who are here and they are men, Lord, open their eyes. Because as I'm praying, I can see potential wives. But their problem is blindness. Open their eyes, Jehovah God, that they may see and may you bless them. Open the eyes of Brian. Open the eyes of Onesmus. Open the eyes of Cedric. Open the eyes of Steve. Open the eyes, Lord. Some of them, Lord, I don't remember their names, but open their eyes in the name of Jesus. And Father, some of these ladies, the reason why they are single is because they are stubborn. And you know their hearts. Some of them are very stubborn. May they become humble. May they never judge a book by its cover. May they follow your leading. When you drop an idea in their hearts, may they follow your leading. Even if it doesn't make sense. Because you have good plans for them. Remember them and bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Somebody shout a big amen. 
All right, you can go. God bless you. I see your wedding coming as well. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazo Tachero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.